Well, good morning. I've been given strict instructions not to be too long this morning. I'm not quite sure why they're hinting at that. But anyway, I thought before we look at today's passage, it'd be good just to share for 30 seconds around Alpha next door. So it's been amazing, really, just to see the church and the 1030 gathering particularly come together and to pray for Alpha and to see it soaked in prayer, to see people beyond the church. We reckon at least 50 people outside of the church have come to Alpha, which is amazing. And to see the church, you know, in the 1030 gathering, pull together and share Jesus through Alpha. It's been really exciting. And a couple of stories. We've had a couple of people just email in unprompted and one person has said, I had such a warm welcome, welcome, and I'm sitting with an amazing group of people. I feel totally blessed to have found such a fantastic community. I've been isolated for so long, and now I'm making friends and finding Jesus. That's fantastic, eh? And then the other, another email we had in was, I've struggled to feel connected at Central and don't want a community because of life's busyness, and subsequently I don't know many people. I was pretty skeptical about Alpha, but I'm excited now and love it coming every week. I think every week should be like that, and I feel connected, known, and valued. I'm not sure we're going to do breakfast every week, but I won't email back just yet. So we are in the Psalms, and if I'm right, we are on week three of the Psalms, so we've got another 147 weeks to go, I'd imagine. I don't know if you're going to go right through them, but that's where we are, week three. So... And as I was preparing for this, I was looking for a Bible in the office that I share. I was actually struggling to find a Bible. I shouldn't really say that, should I? You can be assured that the staff love and value the Bibles, but maybe it's just the electronic phones. But as I found the Bible, an old Bible in the office, it said at the front, the code of my life. I love that. It's an old Bible, been kind of quite seasoned and weathered, and the person who owned it had put it at the front, the code of my life. I love that, that this Bible is kind of what we build our lives upon, the word that strengthens us and sustains us, and just is a guide for all we do in our everyday behavior. So in Psalm 3, and I'm going to read from the NIV first, so Psalm 3, I think it's going to be on the screen, but Psalm 3 from the NIV. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. It's nice, isn't it? Break the teeth of the wicked. Lovely. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. I also just want to read it from the message, if that's okay. It's a slightly different version, but I just want to read it from the message. It just gives a, a nice sort of flavor to it. God, look, enemies past counting. Enemies sprouting like mushrooms. Mobs of them all around me, roaring their mockery. Ha, no help for him from God. But you, God, shield me on all sides. You ground my feet, you lift up my head high. With all my might, I shout to God. He answers, his answer thunders from a holy mountain. I stretch myself out, I sleep. Then I'm up again, rested, tall and steady. I love that. Then I'm up again, rested, tall and steady. Fearless before the enemy mobs coming at me from all sides. Up, God, my God, help me. Slap their faces. First this cheek, then the other. Your fist hard in their teeth. Real help comes from God. Your blessing clothes your people. 
So we see this passage that David, who writes this psalm, is in a battle. It feels like every time I speak in this gathering that I've mentioned the fact that it's a battle and it's a challenge. But here we see that he's amidst pain and hardship and challenge and difficulty. And we only have to be a Christian for five minutes to recognize that there's injustice, there's hardship, there's suffering, there's difficulty. The psalm was written by David and Jesus, as you'll likely know, was in the line of David. And he, more than anyone else perhaps, knew the pain and suffering and challenge that it was to live for God. Jesus himself doesn't say, if trouble comes your way. He says, when trouble comes. For those, who, for those of us who follow Jesus and love Jesus, we can expect that there will be challenge and hardship. There will be difficulties. But the paradox, I think, one of the paradoxes of the kingdom is that as we live more for God and become more dependent on him and put our lives more in his care and trust, then we become more content and fulfilled. You see, peace and joy and contentment aren't in circumstances, but they're in God. So David's in this situation where it feels like everyone against him, it's bleak. It says that all these foes are gathering to kill me. And it would seem impossible, verse 2, God will never rescue him, they're shouting. They're mocking him, saying, God will never rescue him. Sometimes things feel bleak and impossible, right? Sometimes things feel like they're beyond our control, beyond our abilities to cope with. And so often they are because it needs to be God that comes and delivers us. And Absalom, David's son, has just revolted and surpassed his father as king and pushed David. And David is now in hiding in this psalm. And what's happening is that the Mount Zion, David's no longer there living and ruling in Jerusalem. So they're mocking him saying, how can you say that you're in charge because you're no longer in Jerusalem? But this psalm makes it clear that God is unmistakably on the throne and ruling from Zion. And perhaps you look at the situations with Brexit or the situations in our government and think, well, where is God amidst all this? But this psalm encourages us to rest assured that God is in on, in the throne. He's in charge. He's sovereign. Or perhaps it's circumstances in our personal life where we're like, where is God amidst this? It seems so difficult. Things seem so absent from God, but we can trust and rest assured as we read God's word. that He's in charge. He's on the throne. He's good and he's sovereign. We name and claim the fact that he is alive and well and on the throne. And I want to just mentioned two things really this morning around how do we look at our inward spiritual posture what does it look like for us to have eyes and ears of faith and equally what's the external behavior how do we behave and act because of that and the first thing we see in this psalm is that we talk to God personally David talks with the pain and the tears and the frustration and the anger that he feels God's not interested in our intellect or how many theological degrees we've got he wants to talk to you he wants to talk to me personally through the tears, through the pain, through the struggle. This is a personal and an intimate psalm. And in verse 3, we see how David refers to God with a shield, my glory. He recalls who God is and what God has done for him. He knows that God will protect him. He knows that God is in charge. He knows that God is good and sovereign. He recognizes that because of who God is, he protects, he's a shield because of his glory. God plus one always wins. Whatever situation we find ourselves in, when God is on our side, we recognize that God plus one always wins because God is bigger than anything we could face. 
I'm sure I've shared this with you before, but it always strikes me personally. A few years back, I was in a situation where life seemed pretty bleak. It was all to do with a girl. And you know, I look back now and think, what was I? Why did I waste my time over her? Um, I probably shouldn't say that, but, you know, girls can be a nightmare, can't they? Anyway, so, and I was struggling, and, you know, my, my world had ended over this girl. And I was chatting to my mate Dave. Everyone's got a mate Dave, haven't they? Like a friend called Dave. And I was chatting to him, and he was saying, Andy, your problem is, you're looking at how big your problem is, not how big your God is. This psalm allows David to get perspective and say, this is how big my God is. Yes, literally thousands of people are trying to kill me and are after my life, but God is on the throne. He is my shield. He is the glory. He is in charge. We gain our perspective by looking at how big our God is, not how big our problems are. And we see from this that he has a posture of faith and trust. His faith and trust isn't in the circumstances, but in a present continuous way, he talks around the fact, I will not worry. I will rise again because he knows that God has allowed him to get out of bed every day. He trusts that God will continue to sustain him. I will not worry because you've helped me in the past. You've sustained me. You carried me. I know personally that so quickly when I'm going through difficulties or pains, even this morning, I was just listening to God as I, I walk into church most Sundays, and it's about a four-mile walk. How healthy am I? No, this is, it's, just, it's a time to pray, and it's nice because the roads are completely empty on Sunday morning. I just touch, use it as a chance to pray and to sort of process the week. And one of the things I do is, <laughs> whether this is good or not, but I just kind of bring before God all the things I'd love him just to hear and to talk through with me. And as I was walking in, once again, I was just reminded of these are the things that I want God to answer. Yet, how good am I at building faith because I recall the ways he's answered my prayers in the past. Last week when I came to God desperate and said, you know, I need you to change these six situations. That's history now. Now I'm just looking at these new ones. What does it look like for us to build our faith and our confidence and trust by remembering that he's answered prayers in the, far, in the past? It strengthens and sustains our faith because we recognize that he has sustained us. He's allowed us to wake again. I will not worry because he's helped me in the past. I've been really struck in the last few days about the festivals called Soul Survivor. And Soul Survivor's youth festivals, and they have about 40,000 young people who come to their festivals. It's actually their last year this year. They feel it's right for them to, to call it a day. And they have 40,000 young people coming to these festivals across five different events. And... The guy who heads it up after 29 years is calling it a day, and I've just had a few, I don't know him well, but I've had a few conversations with him in the last couple of weeks. And what's abundantly clear is that the same values that he has when he leads a group of five, the same values that started in his house with five young people, are what builds and creates Soul Survivor for 40,000 people. And I was just struck in terms of the same dependency he has when he's talking to 40,000 people, the same attitude and posture before God is what he has in it when he's talking one-to-one. -one. And I was challenged in my own life how when we go to these festivals, we think that God is almost bigger. It's a different God at those festivals than here with us this week, this morning at the 9.15 gathering. Or we think that as we go and be of the grandchildren this week or as we go to workplace, whatever this week holds, we almost think it's a different God that was here this morning. No, no, it's the same God, the same power, the same sovereignty that goes with us. 
David recalls who he is because of the power and spiritual power of God. I love this quote in a book I've recently read. The history of the church has never been about great men and women of God. It has always been about the great God of men and women. Let me read that again. The history of the church has never been about great men and women of God. It has always been about the great God of men and women. But we see with David in this time of turmoil and pain that he talks to God personally. He recognizes how God is the shield and the glory. He has a posture of faith and trust, not in the situation, not in the circumstances, but in who God is. And because of that, he says, I will wake again. I will not worry. I will be dependent on this God who is on the throne, who is in charge. And from that inward place of spiritual posture, it leads to his outward physical behavior. It says in this psalm, it says, he lifts my head. God lifts my head. He physically lifts us. We can stand tall in spite of the circumstances. We can walk into this week, no matter what it holds, with confidence because he is steadfast. He is secure. He is good. He physically lifts us. And even when circumstances seem bleak, even when situations seem beyond hope, we can allow our posture to be one of confidence and strength in God. In verse 5 in this passage we've read, it says, I lie down and sleep. I lie down and sleep because in this, David is saying, that even though literally tens of thousands of people are trying to kill me, I'm safe, I'm secure in depending on God to provide me with sleep. I'm safe and secure because he will protect me. I can't physically do anything. I can't change situations. But in total dependence, I lie down and rest because it's up to him to turn around my situation. Sometimes we need to stop trying to fix things ourselves and say, actually, it's all about being dependent on God. All I can do is pray. All I can do is trust that you will deliver me. If you're anything like me, your default so often is, how can I fix this? How can I change this? How can I do these six things to turn around a situation? Sometimes we need to simply just rest back and say, God, this is yours. I'm not quite sure how to do this. I don't think I've got the strength to do it. I'm not able, in my opinion, to do this. However, I believe you can. I believe you can turn around this situation. We rest, we sleep, we lie down in complete dependence on God. And the other thing I want to suggest from this in terms of our activity and how we act is that we stand on the word of God. David in verse 6 says, I will not fear. I will not fear. There's power in our words. He names and claims the fact that he will not fear. I quite frequently at the start of my day say to God, I say, I will not fear any man or any situation. Because as a child of God, I have to believe that he is above and bigger than any situation or individual I might face. When we have those inner voices that say, you're not good enough, you're not able, the situation is drastic, things won't ever change, things are desperate. We can say, actually, I will not fear. God is on the throne. God, I name and claim it. And as an act of faith, I put my trust and focus and dependence in you. We stand on the word of God. We stand and trust in him. Verse 8 says, From the Lord comes deliverance. I won't be shaken or intimidated. I will trust that God will deliver me. Circumstances may say one thing. Circumstances may suggest that things are bleak, things are difficult. But I will trust 
that you will turn my situation around. I trust that you will deliver me. A friend of mine was in a culture, I'm not quite sure where it was actually, it was quite a few years ago, and this is a very remote part of the world. And in that particular culture, just to clarify, I'm not saying I condone misbehavior, but they would trade cows for women so you'd buy your wife with cows so if it was considered to be an absolute stunner of a wife then she'd be worth five cows of the equivalent whereas right through to one cow if she wasn't deemed particularly attractive and again I'm not saying I think it's particularly good I'm not saying we should introduce it in the UK but that's that's how his culture worked and this guy was talking to this man in the village who was the absolute laughing stock. And the reason he was a laughing stock was because he'd paid five cows, which in that culture was just, you know, a huge amount for women. Everyone else saying, she's not worth it. She's worth two cows. Why have you gone well above and paid for her for five cows? You've, she's only worth two cows. Everyone can see that. And he said, because for me, when I see her, she's worth five cows. and I love her and value her as a person who's worth five cows. And the reason I say that is because when God looks at us, despite of our insecurities and our inadequacies, despite of our failings and mistakes, he looks at us with perfection. He looks at us with love. He looks at us in the image of God. And we can have confidence and security and stand tall, stand firm, because God wants to carry us. He wants to lift us. He wants his faith and authority to work through us. He looks at us as his children, And he wants us to walk in the confidence of knowing him. Our internal posture is one of trust, is one of faith. But our outward attitude is one of confidence and stature and trust and a sense of just believing that he can do all things through us. We walk with our head held high. We sleep well at night because he's with us and he's on the throne. I'm going to wrap things up in a moment. I've been told no one 15 minutes, which is... We're on 14. So, and I was just re- re- reflecting on the last piece of scripture in this. Verse 8 talks about the deliverance. And in this passage, it's referring to both two things. If you look at what scholars put, it's about physical and spiritual deliverance. It's about the fact that David is claiming that God will deliver him physically from the situation. But it's also about the spiritual deliverance and saying, but as God carries me and lifts me, one day he'll give me eternal life. One day he will allow me to live with him forevermore. And this morning when we've ate the bread and drunk the wine, when we've eaten from the body of Christ and drunk from his blood, we recognize that he is in charge, that the crucial battle has been fought and won on the cross. And as we turn to him, we recognize that he ultimately offers us eternal life and salvation for those who follow him. But we also have strength because he can deliver us from the situations. When we look to him, when we look Jesus in the eye, when we recognize that he lived and died for us, he's with us now, he's with us in the everyday, he's with us to turn around our situations. He's alive and on the throne this morning. I'm going to pray for us and then I think I'm handing over to Ken. Father, we thank you for the power of your word. We thank you that the word of God, the Psalms, just speak incredible truth and life into our lives. And just as David had hope and trust in you, we too can have hope and trust in you in spite of our situations, in spite of the circumstances. 
all of us will be aware of situations in our lives, in our families that feel beyond hope. And we bring those to you now in quiet. And we pray that through these situations, we will have a posture of faith and trust and security in you. One that reminds us of all the good things you've done, reminds of us of who you are. And we pray that we will walk without fear. We will walk standing tall. We will lie down at sleep at night without worry or anxiety because you are on the throne. And we pray that we will, regardless of the outcome, trust you, depend on you, lean into you, have faith in you. But we also ask that we will have the faith within to believe that you can and will turn around situations. Holy Spirit, come into our lives this morning. Come into our situations that we've named. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.